0: All week long I have been gripped by the altar service from last Sunday morning. And as I prayed and sought the Lord, that being my reference point. Just kind of reliving some of those moments of prayer with several folks. It's kind of felt the Holy Spirit direct guide for this morning. And we have been in this chapter where we're going probably a couple times earlier this year, but we're going to revisit it again this morning as the Lord has directed me. And It's John chapter 9. John chapter 9. beginning at verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam which is by interpretation, sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Would you stretch your hand this direction and pray God's blessing and anointing upon his word, upon his servant today. Father, thank you for your presence. Lord, right now, I I just feel like that There's a work of sealing that you want to do through your spirit. For we are reminded that sometimes the enemy comes and he steals the word, the seed of the word that we have received. And all week long, Lord, I have just felt that great need to have the word of God sealed to our heart sealed so much, Lord, that it changes our outlook, our perspective, the way we live in this world. Thank you for your spirit. We need it now. We covet it now. In Jesus' precious name. And the church said, amen. want to talk to you today about right-eyed faith. Right-eyed faith. It's rather common knowledge that the largest part of the population is right-handed versus left-handed. In fact, statistics show that right-handed people are 90 percent of the population, while only 10% of the population is left-handed. My dad, my father, is left-handed, or some would call a southpaw. And I always told him that when we bowled against each other, that he had an advantage being left-handed because his side of the lane wasn't nearly as worn down as my side of the lane. (laughs) and it would be one of my crutches when he would beat me in a bowling head-to-head, I'd say, well, that's because your side of the lane ain't used as much as mine is. What you may not know is that you have one eye that is more dominant than the other eye. Uh, 80% of the population is right-eyed dominant. The correct term is called ocular dominance. Ocular dominance is the tendency to prefer visual input from one eye over the other. Now, you may be thinking, and do not believe this, that because you're right-handed, that this automatically means that you're going to have right-eyed dominance. You can actually be right-handed and still be left-eyed or left-eyed dominant. So you have a dominant eye. The dominant eye is relied upon for precise, positional information. And that is why in sports such as archery or darts, any kind of shooting sports, hunting sports, you close that one eye and you leave the other eye open so it can fix and position on the target. If you use the weak eye of the two that you have, the target you try to hit, it will float or move on you, and you will likely miss the target badly. Using this analogy, let me share with you that God intends for you to be, in the spiritual realm, right-eyed dominant. Or faith-eyed dominant. Now, it is in our human nature, the way we were born, our carnal nature beginning, for us to be left-eyed dominant or fact-eyed dominant. In other words, it's easy because we live in this world to look for the negative. The downside of life sometimes looms larger than life itself. And if we're not careful, cynicism will creep in because of what we see with our natural vision. Friend, that is, that is left-eyed vision. That is fact-displayed vision. But God called you to walk by faith and not by sight. The very definition uh, of faith is not found in Webster's dictionary. A long time before Daniel Webster came along, God, the great author and finisher of our faith, defined exactly what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. Not seen. You and I, my brother and sister, we walk by faith, which are things that are unseen, and not by sight, which are things that we look and behold every day of our life. Now, there's not much we know about the man in this narrative except that he is blind from birth. I personally believe, based upon his dialogue with his neighbors and the religious leaders, That he had some right-eyed faith. Why do I believe he had right-eyed faith? Well, Jesus would ask him later if he believed on the Son of God. And he responded by saying, I do believe, and he worshiped Jesus. This man, I believe, had right-eyed faith because he believed Jesus to be a prophet. He called him a prophet. He defended him as a prophet. We know this blind man to have right-eyed faith because he was bold with others about the miracle that had taken place. He didn't mind sharing the transformation that had taken place in when he received his physical eyesight. And I believe through though the man was physically blind, that he had spiritually dominant right-eyed faith that led to his miracle. You see, there's too many people that are looking at life through their weak eye. They're looking at life through their left-eyed effect. It's a critical eye. It's a cynical eye. It's a doubtful eye. They're always finding something wrong with everything. They don't even have a glass half full. Their glass is empty. They live life with an empty outlook. In this chapter, I believe that was what was wrong with the Pharisees. They were so focused on the law of their religion that they could not see past it and Jesus called them out on it as a matter of fact in verse 39 of that chapter he said these words for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind you see I believe the blind man blind from birth had some right eyed faith I believe he had some bright eyed faith I believe He had some light-eyed faith and through his blinded eyes of faith, he received his miracle of healing. You see, here's part of our challenge today. I just want to try to really break this down this morning and unpack it so that we can get it into not only our spirit but also into our intellect. Our problem is is we often promote seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. Is there anybody here from the that was born in the state or grew up in the state of Missouri? Let me see your hands. Anybody in the house? Nobody in the house that's from Missouri? Well, in Missouri, if you know anything about Missouri, they're they're called the people from the show-me state. That's one of the, the labels attached to the state of Missouri. And, and the, the thing is, they they and I guess they get it from this idea that they're not gonna believe it unless they see it. And can I can I share with you this morning that there, there's too many of God's children that function as show-me believers? And you know, that's how we were born. That's how we were brought. into this world, and that is worldly thinking, but let me tell you something, when Jesus came into your heart, he didn't just transform your heart, he also transformed and renewed your mind, and so when you got up from that altar of prayer and that altar of repentance, and you started walking with the Lord, you don't just have a heart relationship with the Lord, but you also have a mind relationship with God, and you just don't walk by the things that you see but you walk by the things that you don't see. And you go on this life believing and and trusting that what is in the spiritual realm is going to eventually be manifested in the natural realm. And that's why nobody can steal your victory. And that's why the devil can't steal your salvation. He didn't give it to you. He can't take it away. You were purchased, born, and bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ And it wasn't just for your heart, but it was also for your mind. It was also for your perspective and for your outlook. And so it's time to rise up. Quit allowing the enemy to steal a seed, a miracle away from your faith, and say, I have been called to walk by faith and not by sight, and that's exactly how I'm going to live victoriously in this world. The world promotes that seeing is believing. But the faith walking, talking, praying, singing Christian promotes believing is seeing. You see, if you have left-eyed focus this morning, then you're going to be the victim you're going to be defeated. You're going to walk around saying, I am diseased. I am in poverty. But those who have right-eyed faith, no matter what their situation is at any given moment, they say, I am a victor. They say, I am an overcomer. They say, I am healed. They say, I am provided for. You say, well, I don't know. Does that sound really realistic? Is that really the way it's supposed to be? Well, you go about ten chapters later. Go over later into the Gospel of John, and you will find a, a disciple of Jesus, and and he was one of these people that said, "I'm I'm, I'm going to have to see it to, and to believe it that Jesus has risen from the dead, that he really is Lord." And he said, "Unless I." I feel the the nail prints in his hands, unless I see the the place where they put the sword in his side. I'm not going to believe, well, one day Jesus showed up, somehow appeared through closed doors, and there he was with Thomas face to face. And and he said, Thomas, he said, I want you to look at my hands. I want you to see the nail prints in my hands. He pulled back the side of his robe, and he said, I want you to see where they put the sword in my side. And, And when Thomas saw it he fell down he worshipped God he believed that he was Jesus the son of God And, and this is what I want you to get is what Jesus said to him he looked at him and he said because you have seen you have believed you've been functioning with left eyed fat but I'm telling you he didn't stop there he went on to say something that is a keeping victorious promise for you and I and that is the words. He said, blessed are those who have not seen, but yet they still believe. I'm telling you today that's the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. That's what keeps us going. It's not about what we see going on in politics and what we see going on in the news and the tragedies that are going on around. If you trust the weather, the weather will let you down. If you trust a politician, they'll fail you a ten times out of ten times. But I I'm telling you I'm holding on to an unchanging hand. I've got my eyes fixed upon a God I've never seen. I've got a relationship with the Lord who has an audible voice I've never heard. But I'm telling you as I walk by faith, I live in victory. And I'm telling you when it's all said and done, what God has placed in my heart and what he's placed in my spirit, I may not see it today, I may not see it this moment, but I'm going to hold on and keep holding on because one day, one day, in the spiritual is going to be manifested in the physical and in the natural. I wish somebody would give the Lord praise. Faith is the reason that we live in victory. Mm. It's a choice. It's a choice of your will. Your will, I can't make you do it. It is a choice that you have spiritual, ocular dominance that covers over the eye of doubt and weakness and lives with the right eye of faith and trust and confidence in Jesus Christ. The dominant eye of faith sees the doctor coming in and not being able to explain your miracle versus the weak eye that sees you lying in a casket. Oh, somebody needs to rise up, get the word in your spirit this morning and say, I shall not die, but I'm going to live and declare the wondrous works of the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I'm telling you, don't you believe the lies of the devil and don't you settle for the doctor's report. You have your made up mind that you're going to have a dominant eye of faith that says, Lord, I haven't received it, but I believe it is on its way in Jesus name. Dominant eye of faith sees your marriage restored versus the other eye seeing you signing divorce papers. Come on now. Dominant eye of faith sees you prospering and having a secure financial future. But the weak eye sees you filing bankruptcy and foreclosure and seeing you live in constant stress and fear. I was broken many times last Sunday. One of the times when I was broken, when I was standing in front of an individual in this altar, and they were sharing with me how they were burdened because they thought that they were going to lose their home. That's how much pressure that was happening. But they came to the altar. <laughs> My heart was burdened with them. But I'm telling you what I picked up on was that they were going to trust God. There was no answer, there was no solution except to look to the Lord. I learned about three days later that the very next day there was a significant rise in their household income. I'm telling you right now, you've got to make up your mind. You're not going to settle with left eye weak facts. You're going to have a right eye dominant of faith that says God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The psalmist David said at the best. He said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Somebody embrace your peace. God's got it all under control. Oh, I wish somebody would lift their hands and worship the Lord right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. (laughs) While the blind man had faith to be healed and faith to go wash the clay out of his eyes, faith to defend his faith and his trust in Jesus, The religious people, the left-eyed, weak-eyed religious people, they groaned and moaned and lived with a negative outlook. The blind man could see. The religious leaders were blind. (laughs) As a pastor, I don't understand everything about people. Y'all cause me to shake my head sometimes. SMH, SMH, SMH. I don't understand why some complain and others confirm. I don't understand why some leave while others stay the course. I don't understand why some long for the past while others live for the future. I don't understand why some divide while others unite. I don't understand why some see their own needs only while others are always looking for ways to meet the needs of others. I don't know why some are right-eyed in their faith and while others are left-eyed in their facts. But I'm telling you, it is a choice that only you can make to have a spiritual, ocular, dominant eye that believes my best, your best, the church's best is yet to come. I wasn't here that fateful night of January 10th when tens of you at different times in the wee hours of the morning stood next to in an adjoining business or across the parking lot and you stared at a beloved edifice, go up in smoke, completely destroyed. Baptisms, salvations, and miracles, discipleship, sermons, and weddings, and infant dedications. So many, many other things had happened. And you were staring at it. And it was staring at you. My predecessor told me there was there was time all, all, people just fell into his arms and just wept. And he had nothing to share. Until God dropped into his spirit. In the midst of it all, we're going to rejoice. Mm. And as, mm, as we rejoice, we're going to rise up. And as we rejoice and rise up, bless God, we're going to rebuild. And you might have stood in that parking lot and the left eye of fact was staring you in the face with all the heat coming off of it. But I've come by to tell you because some people said, you know what? I'm not going to let that be my dominant. I'm going to let my dominant right eye to faith. It's going to take precedence over everything and I can't see what the finished product is yet and I don't know how it's all going to come together. Let me tell you, God in heaven, the sovereign God in heaven, had a plan from the beginning of time. He knew the fire was coming. He knew the building was going to burn down, but he also knew God's people were going to rejoice. They were going to rise and they were going to rebuild. We're seeing it come to pass. I'm telling you, if it can happen for the church, it can happen in your own personal life. I don't know if any verse says it better than my personal verse of the last three and a half years. Psalms 27 and 13. I had fainted unless I believe to see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living. He didn't say, I'm going to see it and then believe it. I'm telling you, it's a choice. I'm an emotional creature. And God can reveal something to me and I can be emotionally touched by it. And it can be 12 hours, and the enemy has stolen the seed right out of my heart. Come on, you know I'm telling the truth. He'll send the blackbirds of hell to try to pluck that seed that has been deposited into your spirit. It is a matter of the will. It is a matter of your mind. You have got to make up your mind. I will not walk by fear by facts, or even by feelings. I am going to walk by faith. I heard this once, and I want to share it with you. It, it was revelation for me. It sounds simplistic, but you know the story if you don't. There was a drought in the land in First Kings chapter 17 because of the idolatry of the people of God. God sent Elijah the prophet and confronted the false gods of Baal and destroyed them. And then he went up and he, he began to pray. He, he knew, he knew that God had sent him to proclaim the drought, the land had suffered for three and a half years. He went up and he, and he had been promised that rain was going to come, that the drought was about to end. Watch what happens. He goes up and he he prays and he sent his servant. Not a cloud in the sky. Three and a half year drought, he sent his servant. Not once, not twice. Three, four, five. He sent him seven times to look and see if there was any rain clouds that had formed. He felt like this thing was getting ready to happen. And the Bible says, on the seventh time, the servant came back and said, Hey. Master, I see a cloud like a man's hand that's starting to form. He told Ahab, that old evil king, he said, get ready, for I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. The skies grew dark and the rain came. Now, now this this is where we get sidetracked. I've been guilty of it. We Bible students we like to focus on the number seven because in the Word of God it remember it represents completion and and perfection. But this thought was left with me. What if there had been no cloud at the seventh visit by the servant? What if he'd have gone seven times and there was nothing to report? What if the servant went and looked ten times? What if he'd have gone and looked twenty five times? Would Elijah have continued to send his servant to look? I believe he would have. Absolutely. Elijah would have kept sending him until he saw the cloud. Mm. Dominant, right-eyed faith keeps going and keeps seeing until the miracle comes to pass. For the glory of God. Mark Batterson shares a story about a young man who was blind. His name was John. An accident had taken his sight. His hatred toward God was greater than his own self-pity. And for six months, he just sat and wallowed in his condition. One day, his father, his earthly dad, walked into the room and said to him, John, winter is coming, and the storm windows need to be installed, and it's your job. I want these hung today. John got angry. In fact, he got so angry, he decided to do it. And he said, when I fall, then they'll have a blind and a paralyzed son. But he discovered something that he could do more than he thought he was capable of. And only after completing the job did he discover that his father was never more than five feet away from him. His dad had shadowed him the whole day. And this was the point. That father knew helplessness was a far greater curse than blindness. No matter your plight, no matter what you're facing, you're not helpless. You are not hopeless. You've got to find your right-eyed faith. Let your dominant right-eyed faith put down any other vision, outlook, or perspective. You have to make the choice to believe to see. Nobody can do it for you. You have to do it. Sinners who think they cannot be forgiven, you have to look through your right eye of faith to a Savior who can set you free. Believers who need miracles and strengthening of their faith, You have to see your body healed. You have to see your finances restored. I stood, and I think what got me more than anything last Sunday morning was the amount of believers whose family has turned their back on them. I can't tell you how many people that I prayed with that said, My son, my daughter, my grandchildren, they're having nothing to do with me. My daughter-in-law has forsaken and abandoned the family and won't communicate. We we don't even know what we've done wrong. Oh, it it was a multitude of you that were standing up here. You weren't asking for healing for your body. You were asking for healing in your family. You must not give up. You have to, in other words, you have to choose. Say, well, you've lost your mind. No, I haven't. There is actual vision, and then there is spiritual vision. And your spiritual vision has to envision the time when you're all sitting around the Thanksgiving table again. And you're all opening Christmas presents together again. You've got to create the vision in your mind. you got to say, Holy Ghost, I'm going to live toward this vision. I'm going to work toward this vision. I'm going to pray toward this vision. And one day this that I see in my mind's eye is going to become a reality because God is at work in my family and on my behalf. I choose to believe. It's a matter of choice. It's a matter of choice. Well, Preacher, you don't know how steep my son and daughter are in sin. Don't look at what they're in. Look at the rock they're going to be established on. Look at the place they're going to be in church with you. It may be here, it may be across the country. But I'm telling you one day, because the word of God says so, if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, not only will you be saved, but your household will be saved. And you've got to create this in your mind's eye and make it your reality until the Lord brings it to pass in his timing. It's not a matter of when or a matter of if. It's a matter of when it's going to happen as you choose to believe. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. You that came last week, and there were several confirmations this morning. There were several confirmations I saw on social media. And I just kept feeling the Holy Spirit prompting me. You go back and you tell them, do not let the devil steal that that I put in their spirit last Sunday morning. Long about Monday morning come and you hadn't seen things change, even though you poured your heart out right here. Don't you believe for a moment that your prayer fell on deaf ears. God heard you the first time you prayed for this need and every subsequent time since then. And I'm telling you, you may not see it yet, but the answer is on its way. What did the angel tell Daniel? Daniel fasted and prayed for 21 days and there were spiritual hindrances in the spiritual atmosphere. But when the answer finally came 21 days later, the angel looked at him and said, not only do I have the answer, but I want to remind you that the first day you prayed, your prayer was was heard in heaven. I'm telling you there may be some clutter that's got to be moved out of the atmosphere, but you choose to believe. You choose to say I'm not going to look at what I see, but I'm going to look at my faith in God, and I'm going to trust the Lord until the answer in the heavenlies becomes reality in the earth. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm under his directive. If you came for a miracle last week, or you need a miracle this week, you've got to have a made up mind. You want the word sealed to you. You want to walk out of here with determination and faith like you've never had. Before the first note is played, I want you to get up from where you are and come and gather around this altar quickly. Come on, all over this house. You're ready. A lot of times you've been discouraged and you've allowed circumstances to go back to your left eye of fact. But today the Holy Spirit is saying, you need to trust me and ask me to seal this word to your faith. Come on, there's several of you that were up here for prayer last week. And even if you weren't, if the Lord is drawing you here this morning, come on, come on, come on. I've already shared a great testimony with you of somebody that prayed in the very, within a day or two, the answer came to them. I'm telling you, God, God is at work. God is at work. You can stand. You can kneel. Come on. Come on. All over this house. Come on. And what you're doing is you're coming and saying, Lord, I want you to improve my right eye of faith. I'm not. Oh, Lord, help us. Oh, Lord, help us. Come on. All over this house. Stand to your feet. Would you? Would you stand to your feet? Come on. All over this house. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I choose I choose to believe. I believe to see. I'm not going to see to believe. That's world thinking. That's stinking thinking. I'm going to believe to see. I'm going to. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. The answer's already on its way. Hallelujah. I wish somebody would lift up their hands all over this house and thank God for the answer that's on its way in your life. Come on. Come on. Praise Him for it. Come on. Praise Him for it. I don't know what it is. I don't have to know. He heard you the first time you prayed for it. Now He's just asking you to look through eyes of faith at the answered prayer until it becomes reality. I choose to believe. I'm going to see my loved one get up out of that bed. I'm going to see my loved one get up off that couch. I'm going to see the pain go out of their body. I'm going to see that drunken son of mine, that drug-addicted daughter of mine. I'm not looking at them as they are. That's the world's way of looking at I'm going to look at them sitting and standing with me in church, lifting up their hands and worshiping Jesus. I wish somebody would cry out to the Lord this morning. I choose. I choose to believe. I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Somebody cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Oh, the Lord is what he's, he's prompting someone to pray in the Holy Ghost. Don't you quench that? Don't you quench that? The Spirit of God moves upon you. Your Your faith is never stronger than when you're praying in the Holy Ghost. Mm. Lord is in this house. He's in this house. Linger, linger with hands raised and say, God, I choose to believe, to see. I'm making a deliberate choice. I'm making a deliberate choice. Oh. Holy Ghost, move across this place. Holy Spirit from heaven, dove from heaven, move across this house right now. Oh, your people are worshiping you. Your people are praising you. You see the cry of their heart, the desperation of their spirit. Satan, take your blackbirds back to the pits of darkness. You cannot steal the seed of the word of God. You are not allowed Take your hips back to where they came from. You're not allowed. In the name of Jesus, the word is the word. It will not return void, but it will accomplish my God. It will accomplish that which I intend for it to accomplish. I wish somebody would praise his name, magnify his name. Reach over and grab the hand of the person next to you. We're going to pray for our church right now. We're going to believe to see right now. We're going to believe to see a sanctuary packed full of hungry worshipers. We're going to believe to see a children's church that don't have enough room. A youth ministry that's overflowing. We're going to believe to see the drug addict and the alcoholic delivered. We're going to believe to see the prostitute, those that are battling depression and have tried suicide. We're going to believe to see them not perishing in a hospital or a psych ward somewhere. We're going to believe to see them in the house of the Lord, lifting their hands up to Jesus. Those of you in the medical field right now, those patients come to your mind. They come to your mind's eye right now. Would you just picture them not in their current condition, but as God is going to move in their lives, Those hands are joined now. Lift them up. Lift up those joined hands to the Lord right now. Join hands right here. Come on, all over this house. All over this house. Begin to praise Him for the victory. Begin to praise Him for the victory. Victory in my family. You're gonna bring my son and my daughter back into my life. You're gonna bring that daughter-in-law, those grandchildren back into my life. I'm going to be amazed at the provision for my family. I'm going to be astounded by the miraculous healing of heaven. Oh Lord, the sleep you're going to give me this week, I haven't had in months or years. It's going to be so sweet. I'm going to be so refreshed because I'm releasing the anxiety and the fear and the worry. Say this with me. The word is sealed. Say it with me. The word is sealed. Say it again. The word is sealed. One more time. The word word is sealed. Now give God praise. Would you, would you, right now? Give God praise. Give Him praise. The word is sealed. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor Jeremy, if you'll come, just remain standing. Live it out this week. It's a matter of choice.
1: With hands and hearts lifted, let's bow, let's pray. Mighty Father, one last time today we thank you. We praise you, God. We praise you, God, that you look down upon us. You provide for us. You love us more than anyone else. God, we thank you that we can speak it done. We can believe it finished. We can believe it sealed. In your name, Jesus, give us the courage, God, to stand in the face of doubt, in the face of fear, in the face of worry. And in your name, Jesus, declare victory. Give us the courage, God, to declare healing, to declare miracles, to declare hope. We thank you and we praise you, Jesus. In your name again, amen.